You are so sweet. Thank you, thank you. Oh, as it's been mentioned several times, it is Mother's Day. And I, too, am a mom. If um, Maybe I don't know everyone. I have two beautiful daughters. Yes, I'm married to the finest gentleman on this earth that helped me make these two daughters. (laughs) One of them is an eight-year-old who plays first base on her softball team who was just given that uh, opportunity, her last game, and during the first inning that she played, she got three outs. Up, three up, three down, they were out of here. So that was so awesome to see her get grungy and dirty. Her knees were all brown from the dirt because they wear white pants. So you can really see what they've been doing out there. So um, so she is Cammy, and she she's so innocent, y'all. Oh, my goodness. When she... She catches that ball, runs as fast as she can to that person and tags them. (laughs) She doesn't want to hurt them. She just, I got you out. And my other daughter is 18, um, who has overcome the dyslexia tag to be an AB honors student at Kuntz and is graduating this year, and um, who has dedicated her heart to the Lord and uh, will be attending CFNI, Christ for the Nations Institute in Dallas. And I am so proud of my Cali girl that I am just a mother that is truly blessed for uh, having two gorgeous daughters that I am beyond proud of. So... um, It being Mother's Day, I really, really want to share with you a feel-good message. Probably not. So I'm glad y'all clapped for me at the beginning. You might not be clapping for me at the end. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry um, about the ring back. Um, So it's not a feel-good, nice Mother's Day message, although I think you will like it. Anytime we are exhorted by the Lord to live in his way, if you are open to that, if you have ears to hear and a heart to listen, it, it is a feel-good message at the end. So um, let's turn to Genesis 3, and then you can put a marker in John 17. Genesis 3, Mark John, not Mark John, but Mark your pages for the book of John chapter 17. So I'm going to go ahead and read um, chapter 3 in Genesis. And and right at this moment, I hear everybody's hearts go, oh my Lord, the subject of that chapter is the fall, where we sinned. And I hear everybody going, oh dear Lord, here it comes. Yeah, maybe. So now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say to you, which means both of them, he was talking to both of them, um, I mean, he's talking to Eve about both of them, did God say to both of you, shall you not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, you all know she took and ate of it, and so did her husband. So what happened right here would change the course of all of humanity. How would you like to be known as the mother that cursed everybody on the earth? 
wow. I feel bad when I've made a mistake with my own two children. But to, to be known as the one who cursed everybody on earth, I don't know if I could handle that. <laughs> I don't know if Eve handled it very well, but um, maybe she did. So she ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil instead of continuing to eat of the life-giving trees that God had given her. She thought that she would be able to make her smart decisions. She thought that she would then become the wise one knowing how to make good decisions. That all of that wisdom would be upon her. Well, the world itself knows the difference between good and evil, but it does not give them the tools or the ability to live a sanctified and holy life. For them living out there, even if they make a decision to do something good, that does not make that thing holy. Today, we still live under this curse. You see it all around. People are living, trying to be good, trying to do the right thing. We even see commercials about, choose good. You know, let's make this world a better place. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to say that we, we don't get to do that. We don't get to make decisions to make this world a better place. We're living in turmoil. Everyone around us is living in turmoil, some of us more than others, where we try and try to do the right thing, always failing, always seeming to fail at what we're choosing to do, especially out in the world. Now, I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about a, a bigger word, sanctification. Ooh, sanctification seems like this word that nobody really wants to talk about. So I'm going to give you what the definition of sanctification is. It is the act or process of require, acquiring sanctity, of being made or becoming holy. And the verb of sanctification is sanctify, to set apart, to a sacred purpose. So sanctification is the process by which the Holy Spirit makes us more like Christ in all that we do, all that we think, and all that we desire. See, we're not sanctified just so that we can walk around and be holier than thou. We're not sanctified just so that we can condemn the people around us for doing the wrong thing. We're sanctified to bring glory to God and to Him only, not to ourselves. So there are many, many scriptures about us being different or set apart in the Bible. Just to name a few of them, I'm going to start, and you don't have to turn there. 2 Corinthians 6, 16 through 17 says, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. I read this in the message, and I really like the way it reads in the message, so I'm going to read that to you. I live in them. I'll live in them. Move in them. I'll be their God, and they'll be my people. So leave the corruption and compromise. I want to underline and bold that. So leave the corruption and compromise. Leave it for good says God. Don't link up with those who will pollute you. I want you all for myself. God is saying he wants us to be set apart for his glory, for him, for him to make us and mold us. 
In Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And in 1 John 2, 15 and 16, Do not love the things of the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all this, all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. See, it is obvious that God wants us to be different. But what I want to make very clear before continuing in this message is that it is not by our works. It is only by the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ that he can set us apart and that he can make us holy. It is nothing that we do. It is not by the words that we say, but by what goes in our heart. It is not by, uh, no, I'm not going to touch that thing, which is good, don't touch it, but that's not what makes you holy. It is only the blood of Jesus. When we make the choice to allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify us, we're removed from eating from that tree, that cursed tree, to a tree that gives us life. See, we try to eat from this tree. and When we try to eat from this tree, it does not satisfy. And we keep trying to shove that fruit down our throat, down our gullet, and it is not producing any more fruit. You see, when you, when you actually prune a tree, it is supposed to flourish. And we, but when you prune this tree, this uh, knowledge over here, um, not but, but when you prune it, it's going to grow. And you're going to say, oh, look at all of this knowledge I've got. Instead of taking from the life-giving tree that God has given us, that will nourish and supply you. And you know that that knowledge does not come from you, but it comes from our supplier, the only one, the one who has all the wisdom in this world. God doesn't do things for no reason. You know, he always has a reason for doing things. And I want to give you three benefits of sanctification, three blessings that God has given us. He doesn't do it just because he likes rules. Do y'all know that? It's not just for rules' sake that God gives us the law or God gives us his word. It's not for rule's sake, just um, for not touching any unclean thing, but it's because God cares for you. It's because God cares about his people, and he knows what is best for them. So now we're going to turn to John 17. Here Jesus is praying. He's prayed for himself. He's praying for his disciples, and he's praying for his church. And I'm going to read John 17, 17 through 19. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. So the first blessing of sanctification is God's truth. God's honest truth. And you can believe that coming from the word. When you hear it from your child, children, maybe not so. God's honest truth, I didn't do it. So who likes to really live in a lie anyway? I mean, 
when we live in a lie, don't we live to just cover up the lies and cover up the lie and cover up the lie and it becomes confusing to yourself, much less anybody around you. So, in fact, I think people are really relieved when they're caught in the, in the lie. That way they can put it off and go, only talk about the, the problem that was in the beginning. So we don't really like to live in a lie anyway because it's so heavy. It's such a burden to carry. A very well-known scripture is John 8, verse 32, where Jesus was talking to some people that claimed to be Christians. And he said, if you abide in me, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, John 17, 17 says, your word is truth. It's only by knowing God's word do we know his truth. And only do we know his word if we pick this book up and read it. Guys, there is so much in here that is more than just answers for today. There is answers for today. But God's character comes to life in these pages. You get to know who he is when you read this word. It is such a, a great opportunity that we're even allowed to read the word. It is holy scriptures. And through the blood of Jesus who made us holy, we can pick it up and understand it. Thank you, Lord. God's word is truth. It's an important process in learning how to discern God's voice. See, because a lot of people want God to speak to them. Come and speak to me. I need a word. I need a prophetic word, a vision. God, speak to me. I need word for my specific circumstance right now. But yet they don't pick up the word and get a general word from God each and every day. Where we can read through these scriptures. And sometimes you're reading and you're like, okay, well, you can say, God, what, where should I read today? And he'll point you to the, the scripture, the book, and you go, wow, that's exactly what I needed for today. God's general word will speak to you every day if you will allow it. And we're going to continue to read John 17, 20 through 23. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will, who will believe in me through their word. Okay, so y'all, Jesus was praying for us right here. Can you, get, can you grasp that? That Jesus was praying for you right here. I do not ask for these only, talking about his disciples and the people that believed him that were there, but also for those who will believe in me. If you've believed in him, he was praying right here for you. That they may be, all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us, so that the world may be, nope, I lost my place. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I've given to them. That they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me. That they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them as you loved me. So the second blessing of sanctification is God's unity. 
Y'all, there, there is a miracle in unity. Chad and I have, have witnessed many people just recently, we've noticed couples fighting in their cars, arguing, and you can see the, the frustration on their face and some women that are just bawling in tears and our hearts just melt. In fact, I, I think I would rather see people making out because at least I would just be grossed out instead of heartbroken. I say that because we've heard somebody told me late, recently that they did see some people making out. <laughs> so, but, but our hearts break for these people. And because Chad and I have fought the good fight, <laughs> can we say that we've fought the good fight? We... We have fought the bad fight, the good fight, the in-between fight, the here, there, everywhere fight. So we have been in many, many arguments and know the frustration that you're dealing with in those moments. And it is, you feel like there's no end. And we, we, we just want to tell those people that there is an end and that there is a better way to fight, quote-unquote fight. Fight without fighting. You can just sit down and talk. You know, there's a way to make it through these things. And so I talk about married couples right here because the church is the bride of Christ. There is peace that becomes with being one. You know what the other one thinks. You know how the other one feels. You know what hurts them. And you get to celebrate their victories with them. There's all these great attributes when you're walking in unity and you carry that unity with you wherever you go. Because, you know, when, when we used to be disunified, wherever I went was a heaviness. Knowing that back home or, or when he was on the job or whatever, wherever he was, was where my heart wanted to be, but it wanted to be reconciled and there was a dis reconciliation going on and it hurt it hurt wherever I was whatever I was doing and when we when we became unified which you know probably didn't happen that long ago <laughs> probably a couple of years ago when we became a unified married couple then I was able to actually have joy and it felt good in John 17, Jesus is praying that we get to experience the same oneness that he and his father have. Oh, that, that just, it cuts me. At the same time, I'm filled with this joy in knowing that we get to have that. That we get to know God's purpose, God's plan, and God's power. Because he and Jesus, do you, do you see how he and Jesus walked in unity together? They were one. And I want to read this next um, sentence that I wrote down because I don't want to miss any of it. Likewise, our unity is dependent upon our desire and priority in seeking to fulfill the will of the Lord and not our own. See, when me and Chad were in disunity, I was, it was always about me and always about what I wanted. And we, were, we would get in a fight because obviously he didn't want what I wanted and that was, wasn't fair. The word says that all mankind 
of all mankind, if we, to, if we were to be unified, then there was nothing that would be impossible for us to do. Just humankind, not even talking about Christians. But can you imagine if Christians become unified, that how much more we would be able to do if we're seeking, um, prioritizing the will of God in our lives and in our church? How much more would we be able to do? Well, I know that the word says that there is nothing that is impossible with God. So when we get together and we are unified as a church and we walk in unity, not wanting to seek our own ministry of our own name and make our own self the priority, but seeking to do God's will, then there is nothing that is impossible we're going to read on in John uh, 17, 24 through 26. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So the third blessing of sanctification is God's presence. Oh, that we may know him in his fullness. So right now in this world, there is an omnipresent God. He's everywhere. He is Everywhere out in that world that we can imagine. Y'all have heard this. God's omnipresent. But we get to live with him where he is among us and within us. See, I start my day every day by getting Cammie up, of course, and uh, fixing our coffee. Mine and Cammie's coffee, that is. And getting ready, getting them out the door and for school, and then I cook breakfast. I might do a load of clothes, then I'll cook breakfast, and then I'll sit down and have my quiet time, a time of devotion. And that is the best time for me. Of course, I get more coffee. So I really need that shirt that says a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus, or, or maybe it should be a whole lot of coffee and even more Jesus. So I sit down and I have my devotion time, and the reason I do it right then is because it's the beginning of my day, and that's not when you have to do your devotion. I'm sure you've heard that. But when I wake up, I have the reality that there is God there among us. He is here. But when I sit down to have my devotion time and I make time to worship, to read, and to pray, I am sitting with the Lord. I'm communing with him. I get to sit in a place where I'm looking in his eyes, where I'm sitting at his feet and hearing his voice. It is so much more than just the daily, than just getting up and knowing he's there. Thank you, Lord, for being with me and protecting me. But to sit down and actually get to talk with the Lord is, is my priority, is my pursuit, and is my passion it, if it's not burning in your heart to hear the Lord and see his, his eyes daily and hear his voice daily, I am praying that you will get that desire. And if you don't have that, that utmost desire at this point, just sit down and do it once. 
and you will not be quenched since then. You, when you sit down and have that, that one-on-one with God Almighty, knowing that he is there to talk with you and offer you all that he is in his character, then you will be hungry. You will hunger and thirst for more because he's just so good. Worship is our vehicle by which we can worship the Lord and commune with him. Guys, we've got to take worship seriously. It's a serious moment when we can come into the house of God together like this and call upon the name of the Lord and him say, yes, I'll meet you there. It is a serious moment when I come in here and I can, I, I don't care like um, Kenneth was saying, I don't care what people think of me, but I am going to extravagantly praise the Lord because I know his, his promises are true. When he says I'm going to meet you, he does. So I do whatever I can, whatever he will accept to get him to come and meet with me. We get to walk in his magnificent presence. So when we allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify us, when we are in that process of letting the Holy Spirit make us more like Christ, then we have the benefit or the blessings to live in God's truth, to be in God's unity, and to be with his presence. He is everything and all that we need. Today, the church, the kingdom-wide church, has to rise above what the world is trying to feed us. Guys, there's so much blasphemy going on outside these doors, I can't even stand it anymore. There has been this, this righteous indignation that is rising up within me that I don't care what people think of me at this point I don't even care if I'm thrown in jail but the word of God will not be trampled there is so much thing so many things that people are trying to say is the right thing that is not the right thing they're calling um I forgot the saying sorry Truths, truths, um, (laughs) lies, truths. They're calling lies, truths. And it's eating me up. And I'm hoping that it is eating you up too. That the Holy Spirit would be within you to stand up and be a true disciple of Christ. To not take that world's wisdom that they're trying to feed us. No thank you. I have the one and I know the one where all the wisdom comes from. Now, when I'm talking about truth, I'm not talking about, like I had said, being holier than thou and condemning people, but we have to speak truth. And truth without love is judgment. It will feel like judgment. But truth, love without truth is damnation. If we love on someone and love, the, love on them without ever speaking the truth of the word of God to them, that is sure damnation for their soul. So I am asking the church today to rise up and speak the gospel truth, the God's honest truth to people in love. The good news 
is that a man died on a tree for us. He, was, he died on that cursed tree for us. In Deuteronomy 21, it says, Cursed is a man who hangs on a tree. And I kind of turned that around and said, Cursed is the man or woman, pointing to myself, who hangs his or her hope in their own knowledge, forsaking God's wisdom and trying to live on their own wisdom. Because Jesus hung on that tree, though, we have been redeemed and have been reconciled into a right relationship with the Father. It is only through His blood can we be redeemed. Every Christian today, I'm sorry, even Christians today will forsake the wisdom of God and start trying to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Even Christians today will. So I'm asking you, where have you been shopping for your fruit? Have you been pulling your fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Or have you been pulling your fruit from the tree that gives life? A life-giving sustenance. This message was not meant to bring condemnation upon anyone. God forbid that. But it is to bring you back to a realization that we are meant to be different. We are meant to be a sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled church. It's for you to take your place as a true disciple. Not to stand around and, and, and be holy but also not to claim that you have, that you're just the blessed, you're just blessed. Going around claiming all of God's blessings without ever claiming his cross. Because without his cross, there is no true blessings. The blessing that you have is just so shallow, but there's so much more that it can be. Don't be a blessed, blinded believer. And listen, every day I ask the Lord to help me. There, Every day, uh, when my eyes, my thoughts get off of Him and I start straying and thinking things that I shouldn't think, and I, I just stop myself and I say, Lord, help me. And I snap back, put my eyes upon Him, and start worshiping or start praying so that I don't have those thoughts. But I live by the resurrected word, which you can too. In Psalm 119, it says, I have stored your word upon my heart that I might not sin against you. Lord, let us store this word. The only way we cannot sin against him is to know what this says and for his strength to help us through it. And in Psalm 37, the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. So when we are walking our walk and we desire to go back to that tree that has knowledge of, I call it non-wisdom, non-wisdom of the world, we can drop it and go and start choosing the right tree, to choose the tree of life that God gives us, beginning with just reading. But there's so many benefits, like I said. It, it, it benefits my soul just to be with him and in his presence. It is such a wonderful experience to, to uh, know an almighty God, a holy God who can sanctify you and carry you through. 
So what is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Listen, we all need prayer. And in a moment, I believe we'll have some music playing or the worship team will be playing. And if they are, you can play it now. So if you need prayer in any area of your life, it could be finances, it could be your health, or it could be that you have not been living a sanctified life. And if you want to pray by yourself, the, the altars will be open or we will have our minister team down here for you to pray with. So if you need prayer for any area, because we all need prayer, we're, we're going to stand in just a moment whenever they begin playing and we're gonna, I'm going to ask you guys to come. I'm going to ask you right now to begin searching your heart. Have you, have you been living, allowing the Holy Spirit to sanctify you? Have you been living a sanctified life? Have you been eating from the tree that gives life? But as our altar team comes forward, I'm going to ask everyone to stand and don't, let, don't leave yet. Allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in this place. And I'm going to ask you to come now. If you need prayer in any area of your life, I'm asking you to come. <laughs> 